0: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
1: This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. You can follow him on Twitter at Field Yates. You can follow me at Amber W Sports. You can also join the conversation. Give us a call. 888 say ESPN. We are asking you who is the second best team in the NFC. We all know who the best team is in the NFC right now. Of course, the Eagles who is the second best team in the NFC. Let us know. Not such an easy question to answer. You can watch us live right now on the ESPN app. All you have to do is just open the ESPN app. You hit watch on the bottom tab. You will be able to watch the show live and And... There's a lot of Packers fans, Field, who probably wish they weren't able to watch that game live yesterday when the New York Jets dominated the Green Bay Packers 27-10. to Green Bay is now 3-3 three and three on the season. That offense ain't coming together in the post-Adams uh, era like we thought maybe that it would or people expected, I guess, that it would because it's Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Even though we already knew that there was going to be problems potentially with this Green Bay team, they managed just one touchdown in that loss. Uh, the receivers caught just 10 of 28 completed passes from Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. It was ugly for Green Bay.
2: It was, and so, Amber, we have to look backwards before we can look right now into the mirror or look forwards. And this offseason, and if you feel dramatically differently, please correct me, but I felt at least that no Devontae Adams, but they're so good on defense. They still have the back-to-back MVP. Two valuable running backs. They should be much better on special teams, which was a real Achilles heel for them last season. That's why they hired Rich Pisaccia, made him like the richest special teams coordinator in the NFL. All these things that made me think they may not be quite as good, but the floor is still so immensely high here because of all the good pieces in place. I did not think three and three through six games was where this team was headed. I thought Aaron Rodgers, you're going to figure it out. Part of what makes the very best quarterbacks the very best is that the rising tide, right? They are the piece that lifts everybody else up around them. Through six games, what, and I'm asking you this question, not rhetorically, literally, what is the identity of the Packers right now?
1: That they're a good team defensively, right? I mean, that's, that's and the I, identity. And even
2: that, I, yeah, but even that, I'm sort of skeptical about because... They got absolutely carved up by the Vikings back Mm -hmm. early in the season. They ended up winning the game, but Bailey Zappi, who had never played the NFL game before, fourth-round pick who was playing at Houston Baptist two years ago, took them to overtime at Lambeau Field. Now they've lost back-to-back games against the Giants and the Jets. And, like, I think good defensively is probably accurate great defensively does not feel accurate. And I'm not so sure that this team can afford with the way that they're playing offense to be less than great on defense and still be a real
1: factor in the NFC. Well, you shouldn't have to be great on defense field, right? If you have Aaron Rodgers at the helm, I mean, I think that's the idea here is that even if the idea, like the identity should not be wholly defensively focused by any means, because you should have a way to elevate the weapons around Aaron Rodgers. And it's what we heard yeah. from Aaron all off season. And in the preseason, we're making this big deal about him not being there for stuff and yada, yada. And then, you know, we get to the preseason games and he's, you know, all cool, calm, collected, whatever he's doing in the woods, you know, how Aaron Rodgers is. And he is telling us like, it's fine. You know, it's fine. These receivers. Right. And then we see a little emotion out of him. Uh, and it almost felt like he was more defending Jordan love at one point in the preseason. Season when he was, you know, kind of saying like the receivers need to do better, sort of, you know, calling out, you know, some rookie mistakes type thing. But it does seem like overall that there was this belief that we're talking about the reigning back to back MVP. Right. And we're talking yeah. about, you know, one of the greatest in this generation to do it. And because of that. He should be able to do it with whomever, like how we saw Brady do it with whomever for so long in New England. And it feels like Aaron Rodgers should be able to do the same thing with or without Devontae Adams. And that ain't working out.
2: And I'm not trying to make a direct one for one comparison across the board because Travis Kelsey is by far better than anybody else that the Packers have right now. But it's not like Patrick Mahomes is playing with a bunch of household names at wide receivers. Right? I mean, they've gotten barely anything on a week in and week out basis on a couple of their key additions, right? And they're still putting up points in droves. So I think it's fair that there is an expectation that Aaron Rodgers by himself should be like a walking top 12 offense. They are not. And I asked this question. We asked the question of Mike Tannenbaum earlier like, how does it get better? And I think what's a little bit daunting for the Packers right now, Amber, is that. You know, when when a team is struggling like they are right now, what we do in the NFL world, even if it's not that common, is we say, oh, yeah, like go trade for so-and-so, trade for DJ Moore, go sign Odell Beckham Jr. The reality of the Packers, and this is getting a little bit cap nerdy for the listeners out there, is that they have played almost every card available to them. There is a salary cap in the NFL. And by the way, Every player that you acquire is not just about how he fits in this year, but how he fits in in future years. The Packers are going to make a lot of difficult decisions next offseason on really good players because they've been pushing money down the road and down the road and down the road some more because they wanted to keep this core intact, which they largely have, and of course the very precarious Aaron Rodgers contract situation. Right now is not the time based off the resources they have and the future outlook, that Green Bay can afford to go big game hunting. If they're going to get better, it's going to be because the guys that they have on the roster right now just aren't playing a whole lot better. And through six games, they have not given us reasons to believe, like, okay, they're going to turn it around. The offensive line that we thought was great, not great right now. The wide receiver group that we thought somebody would emerge from, I mean, a little bit, but not, like, dominant, right? And... It, there's just not a difference maker in that wide receiver room right now. Like, if you're an opposing defense and you say to yourself, who is the guy we want to eliminate? Who would you want to eliminate? I don't know. Like, Romeo Dobbs, maybe? Right. I maybe. guess. I, I, I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, as you can tell, like, with hesitation. So it's a very, very different Packers team this year. And I was more optimistic than 3 and 3 coming into the season. I'm not trying to say the doom has been cast upon them because the NFC is not great, but. If I gave you the option to put 100 bucks on the Vikings or the Packers to win the division right now, that may have sounded silly six weeks ago. Right now it may sound smart.
1: Yeah, it may sound smart, frankly. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has everything to do with why the Packers are in this situation. If we're talking salary cap, like you mentioned, right? If you wanted to be the highest paid per annual in your late 30s, then it's going to be hard to pay some of these other guys. So the question is, what field just asked? What did the Packers do here then moving forward? Maybe Aaron Rodgers himself has the answer. Here is the Packers quarterback being asked that.
0: Not attacking anything, I just think that based on how we've played the last two weeks, I think it's going to be in our best interest to simplify things uh, for everybody, for the line, for the backs, for the receivers, um, especially with Cobby's injury. Um, just simplify some things, and and uh, maybe that'll help us get back on track.
1: So simplify it. Is it just so complicated, Field, that that's the problem here?
0: I don't know,
2: because I thought, like, and as you know, a big part of my responsibilities here at ESPN during the football season are fantasy football related, and my take going into this past game against the Jets was, I bet A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones have a big game on Sunday because the Packers need to stop throwing the ball 39 times like they did against the Giants the week prior which amounted to a loss, and get back to what they can do well, ground and pound with two very talented backs didn't happen on Sunday so I maybe simplifying is the case, but like isn't simplifying what often happens when you're half a season into a new system and things aren't going as planned, so you dumb things down a bit? This is year four in this system, right? And right. I know they had some attrition amongst the coaches this off season. obviously Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Allen and all these guys that left because they got hired elsewhere, Luke Getzey included. It's the same thing, though. It's the same system. It's Matt LaFleur's system. And, yes, some new faces, but um, – the reality is that when you make a move that the Packers made, which was trading away arguably the best receiver in football, and Devontae Adams, you have to have a plan how to fill that. And if the plan is these young guys are going to be capable of doing it, you don't have time to waste, Amber. Not only is Aaron Rodgers at the tail end of his career, we think, but, like, Rodgers was already half a foot or maybe even a full foot out the door this past offseason. He's talked about how close he was to retirement. You ask me this, or I'll ask you this, like, if the Packers finish 8-9 and this year, which we have so much football left, right? But if they do, you think Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what? Let's run it back for more. Or do you think Aaron Rodgers says, had an incredible run, one of the greatest to ever do it, I'm a Super Bowl champion, three- or four-time MVP, life's going to look pretty cool on the other side of football. I'm going to go enjoy it. Because I I think, yeah, it's a question, right?
1: Yeah, it's a question. I would not be surprised. I also don't, I don't. I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers cares. Like I'm not out here saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about winning a Super Bowl. But again, like we're talking about the contract situation with Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about how he was mum about his future to Devonte Adams, which maybe end up costing him Devonte Adams. Like there were things in the works here with Aaron Rodgers for the last couple of years, and it just makes you wonder was Aaron Rodgers goal is it Super Bowl or bus for Aaron Rodgers? I'm gonna give my all, I'm gonna sacrifice that, or is it, hey, I'm out here enjoying my life and I'm going to earn what I'm worth in enjoying it and the teams success hopefully will come but maybe isn't the only goal that I have and so we will see but I want to get to the Jets side of this conversation as well we're going to do that coming up next because the Jets obviously a shocking four and two but they're not even the best team playing in their own stadium this is Canteen Carlin on ESPN radio
0: this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza the number one pick in Detroit style pizza why it's simple Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
1: That call courtesy of 98.7 ESPN. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. And Field, let's give some love to these New York teams, yeah. which is a strange thing to do when we're talking about the NFL. Or it has been for many years now. However, it's not at all this season because. The sneaky New York Jets, we talked about how the Packers got dominated in this game. The sneaky New York Jets, the ones doing that domination, they're now sitting at 4-2 and two on the season. They've won three straight games, all of those starts, by their quarterback, Zach Wilson. Wilson was 10-18 of 18 yesterday, 110 yards, no touchdowns. But I think the real story here was that you had Mike LaFleur out-coach his brother, Very much so. In Matt LaFleur on the other side, it was some of the most innovative play calling. We're not used to seeing that from the New York Jets.
2: He has been excellent of late, has Mike LaFleur. Think about this. And this is not trying to be an indictment of the player. But since Zach Wilson returned, as you noted, he returned, what, three games ago now? Mm -hmm. Here is how Zach Wilson has performed statistically in a league in which we are seeing gaudy numbers left and right. 252 yards on 50% completions, one touchdown, two picks. 210 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. 110 yards on 55.6% completion percentage, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's a starting quarterback's line in back-to-back-to-back games. His team has won all three of those games. That's how good... Everybody has been right now for the Jets. Zach Wilson, listen, I'm not again, I'm not trying to make this about Zach Wilson right now. This is a positive Jets statement. The Jets are playing so tough. They are finding ways. All the pieces that have been in place now for multiple seasons, plus some of the new faces, were all reasons for optimism. Right, Amber? We kept hearing this was like the the young gun New York Jets. Mm-hmm. All these draft picks they got from the Jamal Adams trade and the Sam Darnold trade and just being bad over the past few years all looked good on paper, but it never really materialized. And their head coach, Robert Sala, almost looked like the guy that was going to become the butt end of a bunch of jokes because he talked about keeping receipts. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, ha, 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 yeah, go ahead, keep those receipts, buddy. They're 4-2 now We three straight wins. Like, you are what your record says you are, and this team is playing Awesome on defense. They played really well on special teams yesterday with punt blocks and field goal blocks. They're getting timely play calling, as you referenced. And they often say that a team can take on the persona of its head coach. And it feels like they have that infectious energy that Robert Sala brings every single day. I'm impressed by the Jets. I'm not saying the team is going to win the division or something, but... They're trending in a massively positive direction, and there's more opportunity and optimism for the Jets now than there has been in a few years, and it's richly deserved.
1: Well, they do have some divisional matchups coming up. They have the Broncos next, but then they take on the Patriots, and then they take on the Buffalo Bills. Is there any chance that Josh Allen has that game circled on his calendar? Because I know that's what Jets fans think. Yeah. I, I even heard uh, uh, somebody arguing this today on I believe Barton Hahn a caller and it's like I really doubt Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are even thinking yet about the New York Jets but in fairness to the Jets they are sitting a second of course in that division is there any chance that the Jets could be that good that they'd be concerning the Bills at all
2: yeah I I, I think that the, the the Bills are probably not too losing too much sleep yet uh, over the Jets matchup but it isn't any given Sunday league, right? We talked about the, you know, the Steelers beating the Bucs yesterday, being big underdogs with three secondary starters out. Like all that stuff is worth noting, Amber. But I think the Jets, like, um, it's not walking before you run or crawling before you walk for the Jets right now. But it's like before you can be like an elite team in the NFL, you at least have to learn how to turn games that you lose in the past into games that you always or often win. And right now, that's what the Jets have seemingly done. There was a time yesterday when the Packers cut it to 17-10 to on an Alan Lazard touchdown catch from Aaron Rodgers, and I think some people were probably like, okay, this was cute for two and a half quarters. Now Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will turn it on. No, the Jets put their foot on the Packers' throat, and the result was a win at Lambeau Field on the road usually a pretty hostile environment, and the Jets got the job done. And that draft class right away is looking like a keeper. I mean, Brees Hall, second-round pick, has been awesome for the Jets as a running back. And Sauce Gardner, fourth overall pick, looks like a potential shutdown cornerback for multiple years, I mean, maybe a decade. He looks awesome, and the swagger is real right now for the Jets, and they're they're treading in the very much the right direction right now.
1: They are trending in the right direction. I mean, this is the trajectory that they were supposed to trend, and it's actually working out. So I think we're all, like, uncomfortable with it because we're like, what's happening here? The Jets are actually – like, it's, things are working out for the Jets the way that the plan was supposed to work, which is a really strange feeling. Same with the New York Giants. Yep. Same with that other little team in New York, because both of these teams have are tied for the worst record in the NFL over the last five years. And now we're in a situation where the Giants beat the Ravens 24 to 20 yesterday. That's our fourth victory field as an underdog in the first six weeks of this season. There is something in the water in New York, and yeah. it doesn't just make good bagels.
2: Yeah, isn't? Um, Did I see? Did I hear that? Like yeah, they're like great bagels. Like great I think I, I saw this. And I think I. You know why? Because I tweeted it myself earlier today. Um, is that
1: hold on you just referenced something you saw on Twitter that you actually are the one who well you know my my
2: ghostwriter on Twitter it's it's (laughs) actually our producer Evan Wilner. no I'm just kidding I just forgot it and I wanted to make sure that I had it correct so Jets just the second team ever to have a winning record through six games despite being an underdog in every game of their first six of the season the 2001 Browns were the only other team to do that Meanwhile, the Giants have three double-digit comeback wins this season. That's already tied for the most ever in franchise history. So two teams that you would think might be put in precarious spots are actually taking advantage of those precarious spots and coming out a combined 9-3. and three. Let me ask you what the Giants, Amber. How are they winning? How is this happening? I don't get it.
1: Apparently they were just a Brian Day ball away. Right. I mean, we always say like such and such teams, a quarterback away. the Broncos are just a quarterback away. Apparently the giants were actually just a Brian Dayball away. And I I can't explain it. I don't, I don't know what's happening there. I frankly, even with the quarterback position, I'm not sure what's happening there. Uh, This is not at all. What I don't think any of us expected, at least with the jets, there was some trajectory. Like if it does go according to plan, there's going to be a build. I didn't feel that way with the giants.
2: I'm pulling this up right now. Just for curiosity's sake, I would be just sort of wondering where the giants rank right now. Um, Okay, so the Giants are pretty much middle of the pack in terms of offense, twenty one point two points per game, right? Uh, the it's like every game for the Giants is a close one, and the truth, Amber, and the Raiders are great evidence of this. This season, when they won every close game last year, the truth is that that's not really a skill that is replicable year over year over year, right? Like the only like, you know, you're a big basketball than as am I, and like the Chris Paul teams tend to be awesome in clutch time, uh, which is not something they have in the NFL, but just close games in general. That being said, right now the Giants are finding a way in close games, so maybe, maybe at some point the clock strikes midnight, but right now the job that Brian Dayball has done is completely worth every bit of praise that has been heaped upon him, and you know, the, you have to have talent in this league. You can't win long-term. You can't win short-term if you don't have the talent, right? Um, they often say it's more about the jimmies and the Joes and the Xs and the Os in the NFL, right? But beyond the Jimmies and the Joes, beyond the Xs and the Os, is you got to have belief because if the players aren't buying what the coach is selling, it doesn't matter how smart the coach is or is not. It's just not going to work, right? And maybe the Giants will level off and they'll finish 8-9 and nine this year. Who knows? Maybe they won't. But the players believe in what Brian Dayball is preaching to them. and That's a very powerful and right now seems palpable part of their success so far.
1: Certainly seems like a huge shift from what we've seen before with this Giants team. The Jets and the Giants have a combined eight wins this year. They had nine through week six wait they have nine through they had to combine eight wins last year total my bad and they have nine through just week six of this year. Already combined total. So just a remarkable turnaround in New York for both of those teams. Are the Giants the second best team in the NFC? Let us know on the Dr. Pepper call in line. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Coming up next, the Jets and the Giants are the two of the best things that we've seen in the NFL. Certainly two of the more surprising things that we've seen. But was either of the number one thing that we saw? We will get to the best things Field Yates has seen so far in the NFL. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This is the NFL Top 5. This is also Canty and Carlin, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. And since Field is here, we want to keep things positive. Mm. We have to get Field Yates' top five things coming off of what we've seen so far of Week 6 in the NFL. Take it away, Field.
2: Amber, you are the best. Let's get to number five. Number five. You know, it's no longer 5 p.m. in 24 minutes from right now. It will be zappy hour as... That's right. Who is the quarterback who had the fifth most passing yards in week six of the NFL season? Bailey Zappi, Patriots rookie quarterback who was playing at Houston Baptist two years ago at 309 yards. pair of touchdown passes as the Patriots went to Cleveland and thumped the Browns. Impressive showing from Bailey Zappi, who has now made a real mark on this Patriots team. And when Mac Jones gets healthy, the Patriots will have themselves a pair of very capable quarterbacks. Let's go from number five to number four.
3: Number four.
2: Steelers defense, baby. We talked about it a little while ago in the show, but no Minka Fitzpatrick. Down three total starters in the secondary. And what did they do? They kept Tom Brady out of the end zone until like the last few minutes of the game. They win this game over the Tom Brady-led Bucks, who had owned the Steelers of late. He had been previously... Sixteen and three against the Steelers in his career. He hadn't lost to a rookie quarterback in like a decade. I believe it was Geno Smith back in two thousand and thirteen. I know Kenny Pickett left the game early because of a head injury, but the Steelers defense showed out during a game when very few, and that includes me, gave them a chance to do so. Let's get to number three. Number three. Number three. It's Joe to Jamar, one of the most beautiful combinations in all of sports. You had a feeling that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase would go nuts when they returned to New Orleans, where they won their national championship as teammates at LSU. Well, how does 300 passing yards for Joe Burrow and 132 receiving yards plus two receiving touchdowns for Jamar Chase sound? It sounds pretty darn good to me, Amber Wilson. They go to New Orleans. They get a win. They are now three and three. Let's get to number two.
0: Number two.
2: number two is reserved for two teams. That's right, the two teams that are closely, well, I guess they're they're very close to New York City. They play in East for New Jersey, but the Jets and the Giants, we just showered praise on them, but they are now a combined nine and three. The Giants are five and one, perhaps the best feel-good story in the NFL. The Jets are four and two. They're in second place in the AFC East. They're a team that has some massive direction to them. They deserve all the kudos. And that brings us to number one. Number one. Josh Allen is playing a different sport than the rest of us, Amber, as he is just a freak. Josh Allen is now the second player in NFL history to have three straight games against the same team with at least 300 passing yards, at least three passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He's done so against the Chiefs, by the way. All of this has taken place since week five of last season. He joins Drew Brees. He's pretty good. Josh Allen is a cyborg. He is an alien. Think of a different term beyond that. It probably applies. He is tremendous. The Bills look like, to me, the best team in the NFL. I'm sorry, Philadelphia Eagles. It's very close between you you two, though.
1: I'm I'm glad you said that because I feel like everyone's just saying, because of the record, the Eagles are the best team. The Eagles are the best team, and... The Bills might have something to say about it, uh, but certainly the Eagles certainly can dance in the sunshine right now as being the only undefeated. I want to go back to number five real quick, Field Yates, of the best things you've seen here in the NFL in week six. Uh, You stopped short. I I picked up on what you did there. Hmm. You said in New England, Bailey Zappi, you said when Mac Jones returns, they will have, and I thought you were going to go quarterback controversy, (laughs) and you said – some good quarterbacks <laughs> to choose from or something like that. Yeah, two quality
2: quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah.
1: Two quality quarterbacks was the line. You stopped very short of controversy. Is there a quarterback controversy when Zach yeah. Jones returns in new England? Yeah.
2: And it's funny, Amber, because we, it's not the same thing at all because Tom Brady went on to the greatest quarterback career ever. Right. But we have seen Bill Belichick move on from a quarterback that you thought was entrenched as the starter and drew Bledsoe for a very unproven player in Tom Brady before, I'm not willing to go that far anywhere close to it right now, but, um, this is a team that since Bailey Zappi took over as the starter has improved from 1 and 3 to 3 and 3. And I think where this goes, Amber, is if he continues to play like he has and they continue to win, what it allows the Patriots to do and they were going to do this anyways, but Mac Jones can take a sweet time. Right? I mean, this is a guy who's been pushing to play right away from the after that injury took place against the Baltimore Ravens back in week 3. If you're Mac Jones right now, and this is a six-week injury, take the full six weeks, right? The kid's good enough to hold it over until you're back. Uh, You have to be thinking big picture if you're Mac Jones anyways, but this buys you even more time and latitude to do exactly that. I don't know. Like, on the one hand, you have to respect the way that he is playing, and if you continue to win, like, these are the kind of difficult decisions that head coaches make a lot of money to have to make. But I, I still, Amber, and maybe I've misread it, I still think this is Mac Jones' team, and that's not a hot take at all. Like I still think Mac Jones, who had a remarkable rookie season, who I know was stumbling out of the gates this year but still did so many things well at a high level consistently last year, I still believe it's his team going forward. I just think that the Patriots at least found themselves a very capable young quarterback as his backup.
1: It may get interesting uh, in New England. We'll see what ends up happening there. Coming up next here on Canteen, Carlin Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. How one first year head coach may already be running away with his division. That's next. This is ESPN Radio, and you can watch us on the ESPN app.
0: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
1: Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. And you can always join the conversation. Give us a call. We love that. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. And that's exactly what Keith is doing. Keith is in Tucson. Keith, what do you have for us?
3: I have been watching football since the early 60s.
0: And if there's ever a
3: sport that that embeds, embodies, should I say, the circle of life, it is football. It starts out where you remember back when we had these big defensive backs, and all of a sudden the Washington Redskins came out with the Smurfs, small, fast, and then it progresses to the big receiver for the Smurfs, and back and forth. And I think now we're going back to. We keep talking about the offenses of Buffalo and Kansas City and Green Bay. You know how they all – It's it's the defense is starting to come back around. They figured these offenses out. Defense is going to rule, and then eventually somebody's going to figure out that defense. Is this is this is the beginning of the defense
2: taking hold again?
1: Field, do you concur? Interesting. He thinks that we're living in a yeah a a defensive resurgence era. Uh, defense resurgence. I mean, it's inter- I guess it's yeah. an interesting concept because we've seen such innovative offense yeah, over have. the last decade. And then we're living in an era right now of, of quarterbacks. I mean, we shoot, we just witnessed it yesterday afternoon, right? With Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, the era that we're living in quarterback-wise is certainly one that is unbelievably exciting. These quarterbacks now are so versatile in what they can do. I mean, it's just, there's so many remarkable athletes. And so the defense does tend to get Overlooked a bit, maybe sort of the bread and butter of things in the NFL.
2: You know, what's funny, though, is that people have sort of floated this idea around. And yet the biggest sort of it's not an invention, but the thing that we've heard the most as far as adjustments go by defenses over the past year has been. Oh, cover two, keep everything in front of you. Cover two is like the first defense you learn when you play football (laughs) at the high school level. So, Amber, I think I'm a little bit hesitant to say that a defensive resurgence is upon us. We've seen better defense. I wonder if some of it, though, is just bad offense to this point.
1: Well, that may be true. Tom Brady would agree with you uh, because he thinks that there's some bad football being played, right? But I also do wonder, if we're entering a defense era, it would be a little hard with some of the rules these Mm -hmm. days. You know what I'm saying? Great. And uh, this season doesn't seem to be helping that factor any. So, it
3: would be a little
1: hard to be a defense era.
2: Again? Again? again again
1: another roughing the passer Never i just stops. blew on you yeah, was that I roughing know. the that,
2: passer that was that was uh, and you've been ejected from the game
1: <laughs> so i don't know if defense is where we're at we're about to pump up some of your phone calls. Give us a call on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We love to hear from you. We mm. love when you want to join the conversation. We have been NFL-heavy today. That, of course, is because it's a Monday. Also, we all love football. And also, because Field Yates is here. It's Field Yates and Amber Wilson filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. So let's go out to the call-in line where Warren is in St. Paul. I have a feeling where this conversation's going. <laughs> Warren thanks for joining us what do you have for us
3: yeah um it's been kind of a funny nfl season because some of these teams are kind of winning by by horseshoes but for the vikings in particular um there's a real disturbing trend going on here and uh at the end of this i just want to bring something up about bailey zappy that really the people don't talk about but uh one the Vikings it was really strange. They, they 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 thought the offensive line was so bad last year, but here's here's something that you never see. Why they they did pretty good. They had three players and each had like uh offensive linemen that each had over a thousand snaps. Uh three of those guys, they gave up one sack. Okay. They did have some holding penalties. What's really disturbing this year, you basically had they have a rookie Ed Ingram who's one of the worst in the league. Uh, he's at like a 20, to, he's hovering between 20 and 30% for protection. And I don't know why you'd want to start somebody like that, but already you got, uh, you got two of the guys that were playing last year. Uh, they've already given up eight sacks compared to one all last year at over 3000 snaps. That's part of the reason why they had a 10 and out the offensive line for the Vikings isn't blocking as well what they're doing is they're double teaming to cover up the center and the rookie guard and they're flooding them and they're they're as the season goes on this is going to be a house of cards secondly with the vikings i don't know why people call this these defenses three four because realistically they put five defensive linemen at the line of scrimmage and you seen what happened to the cowboys last night when you when you neutralize the line of scrimmage, the Vikings a lot of times will only have two linebackers covering, and there's a huge gap. So if you get back, that pass at first line, they flood the middle with receptions. That's why
1: Warren, these, these Warren, so-called three-three. Three, Warren, let me stop you for just a moment because I am a little confused though because it appears obviously that you're a Vikings fan. Yeah. I'm shocked, Field, to hear a Vikings fan be so negative and yeah, Warren just- is is giving us... Good analysis of the breakdown, but he's telling us the problems that he's seeing so far. Yeah. Even though the Vikings just moved two games ahead of the Packers in the NFC North, and I think have been exceeding expectations, and we were just having a conversation: are they second best team in the NFC?
2: Well, is Warren like a defensive assistant coach for the Vikings? I want to, Warren. Are you? And what was, what, what was your Bailey give Zappi?
3: point? defense. Put?
2: Yeah. Huh? What, what was your Bailey Zappi? Hello. Put? Hello? What was your
3: Bailey well, Zappi? Point? Here's what's amazing about Bailey Zappi, okay? If you take a look at what he did in college, and he's like Case Keenum. You know, but thought, ah, he's not biggest. Now, look at what he did in college. Last year in particular, six thousand yards and sixty two touchdowns. I think he had a hundred and forty. Yeah. And what really surprised me the most about uh his his uh, receiver Jared Stearns had an excellent uh preseason. With Tampa, and they have all these injuries. Uh, that guy, jared stern last year, caught 150 passes, 2,000 yards, and and uh, 20 touchdowns. And that guy can play running back or receiver. That just goes to show you these NFL teams got all this money. They'll look at something, but they don't see the whole picture. And I think that's why a lot of these teams lose. But I'll
2: just hang up and listen. That was ex- I mean, first of all, like I don't know if you're available, like for the rest of the football season, we might consider hiring you, Warren. But uh,
1: it, it's good analysis. It's a little negative, Warren's A little, little bit of uh, a well. You know, it sounds, it sounds. It sounds
2: to me, Amber, like maybe Warren has been a little bit worn down. He's been watching football since the 1960s, right? So perhaps mm. he's a bit worn down by some of the things that he's seen from the Vikings. Um, but excellent nuance. Uh, so, Warren, to try and brighten your day a little bit, Amber. How confident are you in the Minnesota Vikings at 5-1 and one right now?
1: I mean, I'm not, okay. I, I, I don't, you, you put it on me now to try to brighten Warren's day. I can do frankly, it if you Frankly, like. I, I don't have a ton of confidence in the Vikings in the sense that right now I know what it looks like record wise Mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation about who do you choose as the second best team in that conference with the Eagles obviously being the best team in that conference right now and frankly it's very hard to decipher I don't for whatever reason fully believe or buy into the Vikings I can't fully explain it I understand what they did yesterday to the Dolphins great and I mentioned that they move a couple games ahead of the Packers in the division cool and all but the Dolphins were you know, I mean, goodness, they're going to be on their 10th string quarterback by the end of the season. Hmm. So I can't read. And I'm saying that as a Dolphins fan. I mean, they shouldn't be the barometer for anything here. So I I don't really know if the Vikings are as good as this five and one record right now appears.
2: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm having a hard time with it only because there are so few teams that are playing really well right now that it's like on the one hand, I want to say, you know what? Kind of agree with you. Like I'm not totally convinced because that game yesterday was like a like a, a, a crawl to the finish. Right? It was like they barely win sixteen to ten after Skylar Thompson gets hurt early in the game and Teddy Bridgewater takes Teddy's a solid, obviously a solid backup quarterback, no doubt about that. Um, but, the, but on the other hand, it's concussion like, well, protocol. The Packers the day are before. three and three. The Bucks are three and three. Right? I mean, the 49ers are three and three. The Rams are three and three. So. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fence it, which is great radio, Amber. I'm going to fence it, and I'm going to say I'm not sure yet in the Vikings. I think they're solid. Um, I'm looking at their upcoming schedule right now, and I will see whether or not I feel like there is a barometer game. They're going into a bye week, and they go Cardinals, Commanders. I think both of those games are winnable. I think the stretch after that could be interesting. At Buffalo, home to Dallas, home to the Patriots, home to the Jets, one of those games being on Thanksgiving that might be the telling four game stretch for this Minnesota Vikings team
1: they have win a games mm-hmm. and we've seen them do the winning and so there should be reason to believe and I just can't explain why I don't yeah. fully believe uh, maybe Kirk Cousins even though 20 for 30 175 yards and a couple touchdowns yesterday might have something to do with that
0: and Carlin. Weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.